0: I'm Evan Smith of the Texas Tribune, and this is Point of Order, a podcast about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the people and politics and traditions of the 86 Texas Legislature. This week, the battle over the border and the urgency of the emergency. Is unauthorized immigration really the crisis some seem to think it is? Or is this rhetoric for some far-off campaign masquerading as policy? In Texas, where we have the most contiguous miles with Mexico of any state, these are questions of no small significance. Here's what we know by way of the metrics. The number of unauthorized immigrants in the U.S. is down 13% from 2007, from 12.2 million to 10.7 million. Apprehensions of Mexican migrants are at a 40-year low. Net migration from Mexico has been below zero since the Great Recession of a decade ago. While it's easy to say, in a speech or at a rally, that border communities are unsafe, the FBI's own statistics do a better job of refuting that claim than any open borders loving liberal ever could. And yet anecdotes stir emotions and gin up outrage more than data ever will. All it takes is a single report of a horrific crime committed by an undocumented immigrant, amplified with the aid of a podium and a teleprompter, and official bodies are moved to act. Which is why, for each of the last two biennia, our very own state legislature has appropriated $800 million for border security, and seems likely to again, all the while acknowledging that this is a federal issue and the feds should pick up the tab. So what's the conversation going to be like this time? How should we respond to the news and the noise coming out of Washington? This week's guest has a few thoughts about this, unlike the president who offices 1,300 miles or more from his proposed wall, or his fellow state lawmakers, many of whom live a few hundred miles away, Representative Pancho Navarez, Democrat of Eagle Pass, is literally a son of the border. He grew up on both sides of the river, lives there, raises his family there, ranches there, practices law there, and represents a legislative district with more miles on the border than any other. In a rare match of subject matter expertise to the assignment given, this session, Representative Navarro was asked by the Republican Speaker, Dennis Bonin, to lead the House Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee, where all permutations of the issue will be litigated. The chairman and I sat down to chat on the afternoon of February 20th, day 44 of the 140. Point of Order is supported by IBC Bank, serving over 90 communities throughout Texas and Oklahoma since 1966. They do more so you can do more. Visit IBC.com. And by Antonio Garza. Mexico is more than just a neighbor. For timely cross-border insight, turn to former U.S. Ambassador to Mexico, Antonio Garza. More at TonyGarza.com. Have we ruined the word emergency? We find out from the governor and the state of the state that property tax reform is an emergency. We hear that a wall is an emergency at a time when all the statistics say that the border is safe. Have we just ruined the word?
1: We have. I mean, if everything's an emergency, nothing is an emergency. Nothing's
0: an emergency. So you, you are calling BS on the idea that this is an
1: emergency on the border? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's obvious. And I think about this is if we... If there's an emergency on the border, then everything else the governor said can't be true. We can't be number one at the I mean, we're a failed state then. And I would say what I would ask, you know, and it's a rhetorical question because I know the answer. Who's who was at the helm of that?
0: So the fact that the governor did not call border security an emergency this time, I think sanctuary cities technically were the emergency last time, not border security, but that's all in one bucket. Sure. But very little mention of border security in this last state of the state, except for the fact that he said we need to fully fund our border security program. I was more thinking of the president's declaration of an emergency, but it's kind of all of a piece.
1: Well, I, but we either I, think it's an emergency situation or we don't. I agree, and I think the governor was, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think and to his credit he was subdued about that because he should be. Is It's a bad look for us. It's a bad look for there to be a national emergency in Texas when there isn't. And it's a bad look for us to meekly acquiesce to that idea when we know what we see and what we hear with our own eyes and ears tells us something different.
0: So you think that the governor, the lieutenant governor, who is not only for the emergency declaration, but is for the wall openly, your friend Sid Miller, the ag commissioner, who is openly for the wall, is supporter of the president's, the, the uh, number of members of the legislature, uh, Matt Schaefer, uh, formerly of the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee, a Republican member from Tyler, who said, I'm for the wall. We think the wall is a good idea. Briscoe Cain and Kyle Biederman think we should take money out of the Rainy day fund to pay for the wall. So these folks obviously think that there's a problem at least, right?
1: All, all real winners there that you described. You're no,
0: not a fan of uh, oh, no,
1: Representative they're, Kane? They're great, all of them. I just, uh, but I, I just disagree with that. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, a very simple man told us a very simple story about three and a half years ago, and we seem to be buying into it. And it's just a, uh, I mean, to say it's simple, I mean, it's a wall. And, I, and people seem to think it's going to cure all these things that ail our country, and they're not. I mean... We, we have a problem, but the problem isn't because of how these things are happening. It's the why, you know, why are they happening in this country? And then beyond that is when the facts tell us, you know, uh, Representative Schaefer said something very interesting. We don't know what we don't know. So we're going to throw $6 billion uh, because we don't know what we don't know right. about what happens. between. Well, the well, let's
0: talk about what we do know. Uh, Mr. Chairman, is the border safe? Straight answer yes or no?
1: Yes, it is. Is it
0: safe every place or is it different from El Paso to the Rio Grande Valley to Brownsville? You know, uh, different parts of the Rio Grande Valley from one end to the other? Is it different in different parts of the valley? What's the story?
1: Uh, And let's not confuse this. It's safe on the U.S. side, all the way across. Are there some spots on the Mexican side that are not very safe? Of course there are. Are there some uh, spaces or places and uh, cities and parts of uh, cities and states? on the Mexican side that are not as safe or not are are or are not as uh, locked down as others? Yes, that's true. And some horrible things happen. But for some reason, and maybe it's the, the the character and the nature of the people that live along the border, our cities are safe, our counties are safe.
0: So you don't worry that the problem spots along the Mexican side of the border present enough of a concern to us on this side that we need to do something to fortify ourselves so that, that trouble doesn't come over from there to here.
1: No, and I'll tell you why. It's uh, And I wish I didn't know as much about these things, but I just happened to because it just...
0: Well, this has been your life,
1: hasn't it? Pretty much, and uh, generally my whole life. But back in 2011, General Barry McCaffrey wrote this paper, and he spoke about the border in very military terms. This
0: is the former U.S.
1: drug czar. Exactly. And he did it for a reason. It was to help give or propel our then-Governor Rick Perry on his first failed presidential bid so that he could be this expert and be able to use that as a platform to catapult himself to the White House, which, you know, he wasn't successful at it. But everything that McCaffrey described, you basically were talking about it in your question right now. And none of those things have come to pass. And I'm talking about a time when uh, SETHA activity and cartel activity was at its zenith.
0: So you're saying at that time, there was a concern that all this Bad stuff was happening over there, and we were worried it was going to come over here. And, you know, and Mc- there were predictions of doom,
1: basically. Yeah, but, uh, right? basically, McCaffrey said, if we don't do something now, uh, you know, this one, the cartels, uh, when they get squeezed in Mexico, are going to fall back to the first border county and then fall back to the second one and continue their fight. And Next
0: thing you know, they're going to be in Minnesota. Yeah,
1: right. and uh, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. And for two reasons. One is uh, the cartels, they can never sustain that much uh, you know, fury for that long because there's not enough money. And they just, for a bit, not enough money because they get greedy and they break up yeah. and, uh, and things change. And I mean, I, I, uh, I'm not saying that drugs and people trafficking and all these horrible things are not happening. And then they come to the U.S., of course they do. But it seems to me, and I think the county judge of, of Cameron County said it best, is what Representative Schaefer and others like him are describing is that they won't be satisfied until not, one ounce of drugs crosses and not one person is trafficked. And Which
0: is probably not realistic. It's not. As I much mean, as it may be a good goal. It's right?
1: admirable, but yeah. it's impossible. You have kids, little kids. Yeah.
0: I've met Panchito, who is how old? Your he's uh, eight now. Son. How many do you have? I
1: have three. I have a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and, and Panchito. Yeah. So let's
0: take Panchito, who is eight years, eight years old. Yeah. Uh, least able to take care of himself, least able to fend for himself. Sure. Okay. If he's playing around on the border. Between Eagle Pass and Piedras Negras. He's fine. Which is where you're from. Yeah. You're from that, and you've actually lived really on both sides of the the river. You have no hesitation as a parent, because it's personal feelings, of course, as it would be for any parent. You have no hesitation about him playing around. No,
1: not one. I mean, and I don't—and I'm—I mean, we're talking about at night. uh, He's fine. My family's fine. I would not put them there if I thought there was some sort of danger. I mean, um, we've—we—you know, we don't—I— we lock our you know, we lock doors at night and close windows. I mean everybody should do that. But I mean I don't In lock. case the
0: Zetas are listening to this podcast, sure. you don't want to give away your secrets. Everything's
1: locked, y'all. Everything's locked. Good, good. And I'm heavily armed.
0: <laughs> In fact, right but, now. Yeah.
1: Right. But I mean, you know, I leave bodegas open, I leave keys and vehicles. We've never had one thing stolen. And I don't know if that's a testament to Is
0: that Eagle Pass as opposed to other places, or is that Eagle Pass like other places?
1: I think most places, I mean, you got to put it in context, too, is I'm right on the river. I think the last thing anybody wants to do is steal something right there because what they want to do is get away. But I would would tell you that somebody's vehicle stolen in downtown Eagle Pass has less to do with border security and more to do with auto theft, which happens everywhere.
0: By the way, it happens up here, too. Yeah. And And I mean,
1: you know, someone can steal a car right here, right now, and in three and a half hours, they're driving across the border. Right. Is that a border crime? No, it's an auto theft crime here. And it, yeah. it's probably going over to fuel, you know, drug violence over there. But right. I just, I don't, I don't see, and you know, people say, well, you don't see it because you're not objective. Well, neither are you because you're advancing some sort of agenda based on things that are not true.
0: You think it's a political argument?
1: Of course. And, and you know what? I don't mind it being a political argument, but at some point we cannot be allergic to facts. And these are facts.
0: So let's let's talk about facts. So the numbers are down, right? Net migrations are at a negative number since the recession.
1: Yes, I mean— Border uh,
0: apprehensions are down 40-year low, of, of course. Right? Uh, there are a whole bunch of statistics that were trotted out at the time that the president claimed that El Paso was uh, this, you know, snake pliskin like escape from New York war zone before the, the border. Way. A uh, wall was put up there. The fencing was Skateful put up. Escape from the border. Then, I like that. Right. And then now everything is, everything is fine because of that. I mean, we heard all these stats. And people say, no, those, I, I have stats. He said the other day in the, in the Rose Garden, I have
1: stats. What are they? I have stats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We never get to see those, huh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, kind of like the stats that Sid Miller had when he was driving in the car and briefed the president. And, I mean, come on. The, uh, so you
0: believe the stats that suggest that crime is down, apprehensions are down, I mean, and, and that, as a consequence of those things, the border is clearly safe, or well, those communities are clearly safe.
1: I mean, uh, you know, those those stats are gathered by the Border Patrol. They're gathered by CBP. I mean, it's where else well, are we? You know, gathered by
0: FBI, right? And the FBI. FBI crime statistics. I mean, if you don't trust the you know the open borders loving liberals in the legislature, then at least trust the FBI. Although I guess we don't trust the FBI these days know, either, do we?
1: Apparently, the FBI's got some problems. If you listen, to it. but I mean, right. think about that: is we we are allergic to facts, and why? And and look, do I believe that the border should be secure? Of course, I live right on it. I mean, I'd love it to be. If, I mean, as as secure as I feel, I like to feel secure for you, Evan. Even though you live three and a half hours away, yeah. Or for somebody else, or for Matt Schaefer. But why would we invest that much money to do something that we know will not work? Because, the, look, think about your business. If they told you you've got ninety percent of your problems stem from this, and Every, all the capital and labor and ideas that you have to to deal with the issue, you throw them at 10% of the problem. You'd be eating lizards and snakes. I mean, that's how bad your business would be. And that's what we want to do here is we want to throw $6 billion at a boondoggle when there are, the statistics tell us and our eyes tell us that 90% of the issues are coming through the port. So your point is that the,
0: the border wall premise here is that we can stop most, if not all, of this activity by erecting whether it's a wall or a fence or steel slats or whatever, when, in fact, the stats would tell you, and there have been recent instances in the news that confirm this, that the ports of entry are really the problem. You, you
1: know, I, I thought about this. And it, am I, I, I mean,
0: there was a big fentanyl bust, was there, not yeah. recently, and it was a port of entry issue, not someplace that would be affected by a wall.
1: And guess what? The other day, uh, t- uh, Senator Cruz was touting some bust in between the ports. of uh, I, I forget what it was. Yeah. See? Uh, that's why we need a wall. And I would argue, in fact, that guess what? The seizure happened without what? Uh, wait for it. A wall. I mean, yeah. in other words, these guys are doing their jobs. I, I, you know, I thought about this the other night, and I kind of laughed, but I, I think about this seriously is I'm willing to give the president a do-over and say, you know what, president? I think what you really meant and what you really believe in your heart of hearts is you want to secure the border no matter what. And what that means is uh, a, a blanket of security that stems or comes from a lot of levels of surveillance, a lot of levels of technology, uh, muscularization of the ports beyond what we've ever seen that would give us capability of screening every vehicle without slowing them down. Right. And if that, if that allows the president to save face. Declare victory. And declare a victory, I'll give it to him. So the same amount of money,
0: the, the, just under six, $6 billion that would be the allocation as he had asked originally for the wall, you would be willing to spend every single dollar on border security if it were spent in a different way than the wall.
1: Yes, because I believe it, could, it, it would do something <clears throat> revolutionary. And imagine what it would do right. to the trade we have with our number one partner if we can muscularize those ports.
0: You uh, chair the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee of the House. There is a Veterans Affairs and Border Security Committee in the Senate. Right. And today, Wednesday, as we sit here, Colonel Steve McCraw of the Department of Public Safety testified at that hearing that the Aryan Brotherhood and the Crips are finding common purpose in creating an unsafe border and unsafe communities. That seems to be more on, along the lines of what we're hearing at the national level. And I assume since you called BS on what you're hearing at the national level, maybe you called BS on Colonel McCraw?
1: I mean, I don't know where he's getting that, but I mean, I haven't seen any... <laughs> they would stand out in places like... The
0: Aryan Brotherhood? Yeah. You think so, you would spot the Aryan Brotherhood in I, Eagle Pass? I'm
1: sure I would. You would? <laughs> and the Crips, for sure. I mean, <laughs> like... It's just... I, I don't know. I mean just like the prayer blanket they found out But in where County. but where
0: is he getting it from? I have no idea I mean idea. the president apparently saw Sicario. That's where the prayer, prayer blanket came from, right? Yeah, that's a good movie. I mean it but but so much of what he talked about actually was stuff that was like literally out of the script of Sicario.
1: Yeah, it's like he had a treatment of the movie and he's just kinda of reading it.
0: <laughs> he's like, Okay, let me guess his I I mixed up my speech with this with the film treatment. But 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 Colonel McCraw is not the president. And the fact is DPS is tangled with this committee and this legislature over Metrics to prove that the allocation of 800 million each of the last two biennias has been has gone to some.
1: I would ask, right? I would ask, not the first time he's been in this situation. No, and I would ask uh, uh Colonel McCraw to, to put up on that and like show me. Show you me. would
0: ask, but now you're chairman, you can ask. I will ask. Are you gonna ask him to come before and, and say show us the receipts? Bring the receipts, yeah?
1: Because you know, that that's a claim that I mean, you just can't make something like And I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not true because yeah. I don't know, but when you make a claim like that, you better bring some... some
0: you better evidence. show it. Yeah. So you live in Eagle Pass, as we said, represent Eagle Pass, and on the other side is Piedras Negras, yeah. where the asylum crisis has come to a head of late with the facility that I gather as we sit here is about to close. It's closing this week? Yeah,
1: and I mean... Uh, it's I think more than 1,000 asylum seekers? Yeah, they had already diminished the number uh, quite dramatically over the last week, and I believe most of them have been shipped out. Some of them have, have been absorbed locally, Right, Um, and then the others are going to take their chances trying to cross that river. This is a component
0: of the larger crisis. the asylum seekers are a a a subset of the unauthorized immigrants, at least as billed Well, they're not in in a
1: broad sense. I would correct you on this because they fit in a different category. They're they are not unauthorized. They're not. They're
0: well. There's a procedure for them to come and apply for asylum, but until they're here legally, they're unauthorized.
1: Right, Right. but I mean it. You know, the the idea being the minute they're 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 looking to be apprehended, so they can make the uh, petition. And so um I, I just you know and I, I I like to use this example because it just every time that I think about that day and, and how it happened, it uh it tells me everything that I need to know about why we're so confused about this is there are a couple of guys that were shivering by my gate, and it was really, really cold. It was right before uh it was like mid early December, and so and it was really, really cold, and they were wet. They had just come out of the river, and talking to them, I realized they were Cuban. And they were looking for um, border patrol, turn themselves in. And, and the reason is, is Cubans, you know, they get processed. They get their, you know, they get a visa very quickly and yeah. they're they're ready to work. So I told the guys, just jump in. It's really cold. I can see a border patrol truck way down the road. And so I'm you driving. gave them a lift. Yeah. and You uh, do this a lot? I, I did it for them because I, I knew exactly what they're going to be fine. You know, the border. I mean, if, look, I've been on highway Is it 15, possible that you
0: misjudge people? All it takes is one time.
1: No, I, I get it, but I could just. Like they, they, I mean,
0: nothing like compa- compassion is a good thing, it's no, a good instinct.
1: It, but I just just talking but, to the guys, I just kind of knew where we were at, and you got to be careful about the when and where. But it's just that we were okay. Like the border patrol was right down the road, my ranch foreman's right there. I mean, it 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 was okay. So I get them in the vehicle and um, I drive them down there, and they're shivering, and they're just uh, I mean, they're you can hear their teeth rattling because yeah, it's cold. Yeah, and I tell them, look, everything's going to be fine. You're going to get warmed up. You're going to get some dry clothes. I said, if for some reason they don't have some, because my mom gives, through the church, she puts together blankets and dry clothes for people to come across. It doesn't matter who they are. And I said, well, you know, we'll set you up. And uh, I said, as a matter of fact, within about six months, you're going to have a place to stay. You're going to have some steady work. You're going to have a visa. You know, six months after that, you can run for the Senate. Then maybe you can run for president. And. Therein lies.
0: They didn't think it was hilarious. They did not. Because I think it's hilarious. They did
1: not understand that. They were like, huh? But, but it, it just, when I said it, it's true. It's uh, We treat people from different countries differently, and maybe we should, but it's for the... It's in
0: our interest to be welcoming to people from Cuba. And, and maybe not from some other places. And
1: I would I would argue is is it now like things? Well, are I'm sh- asking you if that's the yeah, policy presently. And, Presley, and right? it is, and it is, it is because yeah. it's a Cold War policy.
0: Do, chairman, doesn't the fact that you had a, a thousand asylum seekers uh, amassed in Piedras Negras, or that you've had reports that apparently are not just things that the president has made up, but you know, facts that there are these people who are streaming in the direction of our country? you know this caravan idea that we heard a lot about right before the election and then heard nothing about after the election and then have sort of heard a little bit about i mean isn't there sort of something to the idea that there is an organized intentional effort oh yeah for i mean there's, come here? there's
1: no doubt but it's not it's not causing the numbers to surge beyond what CBP and them can handle it's yeah we have an increase of people coming to the ports to seek asylum as as they, as they should
0: so that's a fact but we're making too much of it or the wrong thing of it
1: well i think that and i, I don't I, I think that's another. That's a great reason why you need to muscularize these ports. Because look where traffic's coming. I mean, if you really want to deal with that issue, if you really want to deal with the the caravan issue, that's how you deal with it. I mean, and, and it, again, the wall won't solve those things. Yeah. And I, you know, I I, I go back to this, and I, I said the wall this, won't. Let me stop you, Mr. Chairman. The wall
0: won't stop those things. How or why? Because the theory that most people would would apply to this is that a wall is a physical barrier that would prevent, however well-intentioned, whatever numbers, whatever the rationale is, that there would in fact be a way to keep people out. You may not keep El Chapo out because he's gonna build a tunnel. You may not be able to keep the most ingenious people from, you know, as they say, you build a 10-foot wall to get an 11-foot ladder, but the average person as part of that exercise in coming north may not have the means
1: or the wherewithal the wall would make a difference, wouldn't it? I would agree if it was 2,000 and we were at 1.5 million apprehensions. And I would agree if... But we're down to 300,000, right? Right, yeah. And I would agree if this caravans, if they were not coming to the ports, they're coming to the ports. So how in the world is a wall going to stop that?
0: So the idea of the wall is that it is simply useless given the reality of of how that traffic is coming north, uh,
1: south to north. I mean, I'm not the one that's uh, dictating where the traffic comes from. It is what it is, and that's what I'm right. talking about. Is I would be foolish to sit here and say, we don't need a wall when the ports are inactive, no one's coming through there, every major drug she- seizures happening on, right. on the river. Then I'd look like a fool. And I don't see why these people that are advocating for a wall don't look and aren't aren't called foolish on a repeated basis based on the allegation. For that we,
0: focusing on the wrong problem.
1: Yes. Right. You know, and there is right. a problem, but this is how we fix
0: it. Let, let me ask you a, a, a sort of straight down the middle question that somebody who doesn't live in this part of the country might ask if they don't have experience with the border. And that is, isn't one person crossing illegally too many? This is a version of the question we've asked David Whitley or had with the Texas Secretary of State, who made this uh, allegation now proven to be untrue about voter fraud, that there were 95,000 people on the voter rolls who were not citizens and 58,000 had voted, well, it's actually a much smaller number, and then people turn around and say, but isn't one person voting illegally too many? And there's a version of that conversation that some people will will make, or an argument that people will make on this. yeah, maybe there aren't as many people crossing over as there used to be, and maybe they're not nearly the, it's not only the emergency that people say it is, but isn't one person crossing over illegally too many? What happened to the rule of law?
1: I would, uh, I would tell you, yes, one is too many. Yeah. And then I would also tell you that government will break your heart. And if you expect government to bring that to zero, You're going to be very disappointed. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. In the same
0: way that you said Representative Schaefer may want us to have no more drugs crossing the border. It's never going to
1: happen. And I want that too, but it's not going to happen. Never going to happen. And so in the face of that, then let's step back and let's be as practical and pragmatic as we can and get after the real problem. And the real problem exists at the boards.
0: Do you have a problem, by the way, with the word illegal? One of the things that journalism has discovered, my profession, over the years is that how we talk about the problem is as important as the facts. And so we don't use at the Tribune, we don't use the word illegal. We talk about unauthorized or undocumented.
1: And by the way, uh, you were talking about the David Whitley story is I would – congratulate you all because it's, just a good, it's a good example of how journalism works and should work in terms of how that story is developed and where it's come along. We
0: may be off the, the Whitley family Christmas card list I'm before sure all are. this is over. But, I mean, so, but
1: why, though?
0: <laughs> but so, so come back to this question of the use of the word illegal because w- we, have been, we have tried to be sensitive and thoughtful about and, and intentional about the way that we talk about this issue. Do you believe illegal is the right way to think about I, unauthorized immigration?
1: I think generally it is, but there's certain circumstances that beg for word to be used or require it. And I, I don't, look. How I, do
0: you talk about the activity of people who don't have documentation crossing our borders? You know, do you I, say I, illegal? I try to. Because you're now the chairman.
1: Well, and You're I, setting I, the tone. Exactly, right? and I need to set the correct tone. But I, 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 I want to believe I'm more nuanced in the debate in terms of the immigration status of people depending on the circumstances, if that makes sense. And so, yeah. and I'll give you an example is, and... Representative Schaefer was corrected today by Juliana and it was a very good catch because I, and I said this and Julian agreed because it's true. Is this is for
0: the benefit of people listening to this. You did an event this morning. Julian yes. Aguilar of the Tribune led a conversation with you and Representative Matt Schaefer about this very issue.
1: Exactly. Okay. And so the, you know, I, I made the point of saying, look, it's not illegal. These people are not doing something illegal by coming to the border and uh, asking for asylum. And then I said, even if they come through the, between the ports, it's not illegal. And so... Uh, you know, Representative Schaefer, it is illegal. It's an illegal act. No, not when they're seeking asylum. He's like, well, the law should be changed. Yes, but the law right now. But
0: what if they're not seeking asylum? Well, what then if they're, they're just coming to come.
1: Then, then they've they've they have broken the law. In other words, I don't know if they're, they're a person that has committed an illegal act. Whether you want, I mean, let's put it this way: Would you call somebody who stole a loaf of bread an illegal thief? No, they're you just call them a, a thief. thief. And the same thing is here. It's whatever the law is. You know, they. I don't know what the. I don't know how the law is couched or how we would couch it, but they've done something illegal. You, there's nothing wrong with pointing that out. It's just how we're pointing it out. I mean, I don't...
0: But would you have the same compassion for somebody who stole a loaf of bread as for somebody who crossed between the ports and was not seeking asylum?
1: Let's put it this way. is If that person stole a loaf of bread because on that day that was the only thing they were going to eat, maybe that's the only thing they ever committed as a crime, I'm, You know, you, you, as a human being, you, you have to... You regard it differently. Yeah, you have to be okay with that. And I will tell you that most of the people that cross that river illegally, that's about the only illegal thing they'll ever do.
0: What does the committee that you chair now do about this problem? How does it enter this discussion, which is obviously being driven by Washington and by the news and by outrage and emotion, as you said earlier, maybe not facts always. No. What does the committee do? How do you take up this issue? And the fact that you're a Democrat leading this committee is so interesting to me.
1: It is interesting, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) But you know what? I, I think... I think one of the reasons maybe that the speaker chose me to do this is because I I'm I'm as pragmatic and as practical in this argument as you can get. And you 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 know you and I have discussed this many different on many different occasions. And, yep. You know I, I get I can get as fired up as the next guy about it, but I will say this is that it's our job as a committee and it's my job as a chairman to set the table and say you know what we can have a a. a a chair at the table because we can offer a solution because we're here and if i can do something to educate my colleagues from tarrant county fort bend county wherever they may be so that they can be aware of how texans like i live and how texans like we live along the border and how we don't care any less for them there than they should for us down here and i it, you know i i want to be i want to be sensitive to the idea that maybe for whatever reason they don't feel safe and they think hey we got to do something about them i want to say yeah. hey Mucho, take it easy. Let's do this. Is,
0: is there an agenda that you can be comfortable steering through this committee, given the makeup of the committee and the makeup of the legislature, where your point of view on this issue is probably not, in fairness, the majority point of view?
1: No, I think there is because I, I find uh, plenty of colleagues are going to sit up and listen. And all I'm asking is this is. Let's just think about how we're going to do this and be nuanced. No one's saying that what we should do isn't what you want to do, but let's do it like this because, hell, it could work. I think it has a better chance of working as opposed to, I mean, think about this. If we build this boondoggle, and it's a boondoggle, imagine when we discover that, oh, we failed. Well, yeah, you failed because the problems are still at the ports. They're not going away. And what do we do now with this scar that's going to be running across, you know, a big part of our, our state? Well, we got to tear it down now? I mean, if we fail at this other stuff, yeah. it's, we're no worse for the wear.
0: So the pragmatic chairman understands that there are going to be things that maybe he doesn't agree with, but that this legislature is going to do. Sure. Like appropriating another $800 million for border security over two years, which the chair of appropriations, John Zerwas, has said he believes ought to happen. It's in the base budget. The governor called it out in the state of the state. Are you prepared to lose on that one, on the allocation? I mean,
1: if I lose because math is math being what it is, Yes, but— well,
0: I'm saying, really, it's politics being what it is. Well, there aren't the votes to not do— th- I mean, I understand Democrats talk all the time— I'm now lumping you all together, but Democrats talk all the time, we need more money for education. Well, I, what are you going to cut? Well, let's cut the border security thing. The votes are not in the legislature to cut the border security appropriation. And, and
1: I agree with that. And I, I have, uh, I've been on record, as opposed to some of my colleague Democrats, is I don't believe we should cut the appropriation.
0: You think it should be reallocated?
1: Exactly. It's flex it away. Because <clears throat> right. I, look, if we're fiscal conservatives— Yep. then this is a great opportunity to show the rest of the country and the rest of the state and our constituents how conservative we are and how good we are at doing these And your things.
0: definition of fiscal conservatism in this case is spending the money wisely and efficiently and on something that will actually work as opposed to something in your mind that will not.
1: Because it seems to me that uh, some of my colleagues that have ours after their last name are fiscal conservatives and what that means is they get to spend the money the way they, the way they want to. And that's not that's not that's ultimately not conservative. No, it's not.
0: Right. Do do you buy the argument made uh, several sessions ago that this is a federal problem and not a Texas problem?
1: I believe it mostly is a federal problem, but I believe that we can help. We can help in the effort away from the border because that's where our our state troopers are best trained uh, on the highways to do. And if we beef up our commercial uh, vehicle inspection stuff. Oh, my God. I think that'll put such a dent in uh, human trafficking and, of course, drug trafficking along these corridors. And guess what? Those corridors are away from the border. So,
0: so that's, a, that's a part that is undeniably the state's responsibility. But I'm going to ask again, you know, the, the discussion when the president was not Trump, it was Obama. And there was a persistent conversation in Texas about how the federal government was defaulting on its obligation to take care of this and to secure the border. Well, this is a federal problem. They need to come down here and fix this problem. Yeah, Do you
1: still think that's the case? Yes, but those voices have softened, have they not?
0: I mean here, because they've got one of their guys in as opposed to one of your guys,
1: he's in. probably doing it as little or less than Obama was doing, and he seems to not get as much heat for the go figure.
0: but he's attempting to do significantly more than the president uh did previously, Obama did previously by building the wall in yeah. his own mind, he thinks he's doing more,
1: doesn't he yeah, I agree, but uh again is you're we're going half cocked on a simple man's idea of a very nuanced pro- that's a very nuanced issue. Yeah and as I, I i demand better of texas i demand better of the people that we have elected in these positions i demand better of me yeah and i can't i can't and i won't fall into this trap that this is the way we're going to fix it because i live here i'm not going to that guy in right. washington isn't going to tell this cow how to eat the cabbage
0: so that so that again you're comfortable with the idea that we are going to be the ones to To put up the eight hundred million, but you just want to spend it
1: differently. I mean, I'm not. We cannot take that appropriation back. We have troopers that we hired. We've made commitments to those people, and and that's that. And and look, but I think
0: that's significant that you're prepared to say somebody who believes that so much of what you're seeing before you is bullshit, frankly. Yeah. Your answer, nonetheless, is yes. We should spend the money.
1: We should, but just there's better ways to spend it.
0: Right. You remember uh, the discussion several sessions ago was that we spent this money and we should get it back from the federal government here was a quote uh, january 17th 2017 so about two years ago as we sat here there was an effort to basically send the federal government a bill i remember to get the money back here was the quote yesterday i called on the federal government to reimburse texas for 2.8 billion dollars in costs unfairly borne by texas taxpayers as a result of Washington's failure to meet its constitutional responsibility to secure the border. Texas has gone beyond the call of duty in defending America's border, doing so at great cost to our taxpayers. A bill was literally sent to
1: Washington. I, I remember. I watched Do you
0: that. know whose quote that is? Yeah, Speaker Bonin. It's Dennis Bonin, yeah. the Speaker of the House now. He was the lead actor in sending the bill. Yeah. Is he talking about
1: sending a bill now? Uh, no, because I think I think we're still expecting it. They keep telling us the checks in the mail. So I think that's, we're waiting on that.
0: Hasn't anybody heard <laughs> that that's a lie usually when that's said? I mean, that, uh, so we're not expecting to get the money
1: back. Uh, you know, I've, there's some things that I'm naive about. And I'm do naive you, about do that. you blame
0: the speaker f- at the time then, the chairman of Ways and Means and the speaker pro tem? Do you blame him for? No.
1: And I'll tell you why. Because I understood, I understood, uh, one thing is that is true, is they should have, they should have reimbursed us. Yep. They should have. And now, whether they do or not, I just want people to realize, look, by this time, if we haven't realized this, we're on our own on that. Like, if if we want to be part of, of uh, policing our state, then we should. But let's not say that we're doing... I mean, look, the Border Patrol or the, uh, the Texas Department of Public Safety and Troopers are not trained to do the same work that CBP and Border Patrol does. They're just not. So to me, the, my idea of them... Uh, having, uh, you know, a hand in border security is get better on our, or, or do your job the way they do it very well on commercial enforcement. Get on those highways and teach yourself how to better identify situations where you could develop probable cause on suspects that you know are trafficking dope. Yeah. And things of that nature.
0: <coughs> That's one way the money can be spent. Wisely, and, I, and, I'll right? give you, yeah.
1: and I'll give you, yep. a, you know, circling back to this idea that the Crips and the Aryan Brotherhood are involved in the border. Well, if they're in Houston, Dealing with how to get dope up there? Well, then, yeah. The answer to that is yeah. But to say they're somehow running around on the border creating all these criminal syndicates in places like – and there's no doubt that they may have a cell or two. But to say that they're a significant part of something that's happening on the actual border, not related to the border away in terms of what's happening with traffic. on the and, actual border. On the actual border. I would suggest to you that that is not true. But I I believe probably uh, Colonel McCraw's evidence has to deal with how these gangs are in these urban centers and what they're doing. How they migrate north north of the
0: border. Can we stop for a second and talk a bit about your personal story? You've alluded to the fact that you live on the border. And again, we've talked many times before this about your experience on the border. You're an unusual cat in that most people who talk about the border and the safety of the border and this issue are talking about it as a theory or as a premise. But haven't actually lived it themselves. But you've actually only lived it. Yeah. Right? Your whole life. So, so talk about, kind of give the thumbnail version of your story.
1: Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, um, I grew up, I went to Catholic school. Uh, you were born a, in Eagle Pass? I was born in San Antonio, but I grew born up in Born in Eagle San Antonio. Pas, yeah. And so I, I spent.
0: Well, you know, apparently San Antonio is the border, according is, to Fox News. Uh,
1: 150 miles. I was invited to the battle on the border, and I did, politely declined. Did you?
0: The, uh, I, the only I, battle in San Antonio is over a tea time in those I, I, hotels. That where they you had know, that, it was uh, funny as I told my wife. Had that
1: TV can, I told my wife, "Can you believe they're doing that?" That's where we go to get away from the border. At the J.W. Marriott. <laughs> yes. But maybe they got a lazy river there, so maybe that's what they done. could. They already have a wall around the hotel, right? So, so that's fine. You know, and so I, I, whatever time I spent in the hospital between myself getting born and my mom being able to get up and walk us out of theirs, we did that. And, uh, and then got right to Eagle Pass. Right to Eagle Pass. My dad was a postmaster. Uh, my mom worked in a kidney dialysis center. And we went to Catholic school, me and my uh, two sisters. And my my grandparents lived on the Mexican side. We you know, we had a small ranch on the Mexican side. And uh, our life was just kind of migrating back and forth, just like many families. And so like,
0: you're, you're how old now?
1: I'm 46 years old.
0: So you go back 46 years. That's born in in 72, 72, 73. Yeah. So a very different time in every respect. Sure, right. Uh, and obviously, obviously, pre nine eleven. Yeah, coming uh, back and forth across the border was a very different deal than it is. But you
1: know what? It, it really isn't in terms of the traffic. I mean, in it's your just, experience, it's not that different. No, now. it's not. In terms, the only, the only what's different is we have more traffic. Uh, but that's a good thing. And I measure our, our success as a community by how long those lines are sometimes. Granted, you don't want them that long, but I think it's a testament to how, my, how much, uh, you know, a, a kind of a silver lining to the, the caravan coming to Eagle Pass and Piedras Negras this time is, since they were mobile instead of walking, the reason they came there is probably the safest place to cross on both sides and the one most, most accessible to major arteries uh, away yeah. from the valley and, and up north. But uh, I mean,
0: as, a, as a kid growing up in, in Eagle Pass, Chairman, you felt safe. You've, again, you didn't know enough to think that things might be bad or unsafe.
1: You know, not on the U.S. side. I mean, there were some places in, uh, you know, as, as you got a little bit older and more sophisticated, there's some places in Mexico that you just knew that it was a different kind of Mexico for some people. And I'll give you an example. Even now, like for that migrant caravan, they will experience another Piedras Negras that you and I would never experience because they're prey. And they're, they're uh, constantly being uh, watched and surveilled by predators because that's money walking around. Yep. And, and that, that they're going to live a different existence and a different – they're, they're going to know a different Mexico than you and I would ever know. And I, I could see some of that, and you could kind of rub up against some of that a little bit, but that wasn't part of my existence, if you will. And, I, and I'll give you an example. My son, he played – You know, we, there's some weeks where I can't tell you how many times we cross the border. Like on a Saturday, sometimes we'll cross three times. On the same day? Same day. Yeah. And, you know, my son, he plays American football, so we practice every day. And the stadium is actually visible from bridge number one, so we'd cross, go to practice, you know, from about 6 to 8.30, come back. You know, some days we'd leave the vehicle in Mexico and walk across and get picked up and then go back early the next day and bring it back. I mean, that's just, you know, uh, Valentine's, We or the night before Valentine's, we went, uh, ate with some friends in, in Mexico. Uh, the next day in the morning, I was over at my in laws having breakfast with my father in law. Uh, I go over to see clients some of the time. You still have
0: family just over, there. yeah. So that's and, like, uh, yeah. You know, and I, you know,
1: I, I live a very, very binational existence. What,
0: you, what I hear from friends in El Paso uh, is a similar story, and that is that the border is less a physical designation, a political designation, or a criminal designation than a cultural designation. Right? It, that there's a cultural aspect. To being binational or to crossing both sides, as you say, sometimes multiple times on a Saturday, that is just part of your life.
1: Yeah, and right? people just they won't understand that, and I don't. I don't expect them to, but I, at least I expect them to respect the idea that this is what this is who we are, yeah. by and large. And you know, it's funny. There's some people in Eagle Pass that will go their whole lives and they won't live like that for whatever reason. Um, they just won't. They won't experience the border the way I have. But I say, by and large, most of us do. And, uh, you know, I I, I gave this speech, uh, you know, y'all ought to cover one of these uh, uh, abrazo ceremonies that we do at Mid-Bridge between officials from Mexico and the U.S. because I think they're great examples of, of how we live. But I made this comment once. I said, look, in a thousand years, there won't be Americans or Mexicans. There won't be Texans or guahuilenses. We'll just be fronterizos. You know, we'll be people from this border, this river, if you will. And
0: a wall would interrupt that or impede that. You're convinced that the cultural aspects of this can't overcome a barrier.
1: It'd be very difficult. But, you know, even that aside is I tell people, look, even if you hate culture and you hate the fact that people live like that, why would you go for something that doesn't and won't work?
0: Solve the problem. Yeah.
1: And, you know, we we talked about eminent eminent domain. If I thought somehow, some way, me giving up my properties to satisfy this would keep you safe, I'd do it, but it won't.
0: So you think the eminent domain issue is going to – be a topic of discussion in this session,
1: should it be? It should be because, I mean, hell, I had people in my office the other day and I chastised them because they're ranchers that are in there asking for protection because of a pipeline. And I told them, I, you know, I was very frank and I was upset and I got in their grill and, uh, you know, after I said, let's hug it out because that's kind of the way I am. But I said, look, uh, why is your property worth more to you than mine is to me? It's, and, it's, and it's not.
0: And, and your point is, why is your property worth more to you in the context of a pipeline debate? Yeah. then my property is to me in the context of a wall debate.
1: And they say, well, that's right. national security. No, it's okay, but it's based on bullshit. Again, is I'm not against national security, but if you're telling me that that's the reason, then give me some good reasons. Give me yeah. some facts.
0: I'm thinking about a couple of the uh, rural Republican representatives who are opposed to the high-speed rail project on the grounds that there's a taking going on of people's land. Ben Lehman and uh, Will Metcalf, I or mean, two. Yeah. So you might have a version of this conversation with them and say, if you're opposed to eminent domain stuff on the high speed rail project, maybe you should be opposed to eminent domain on the wall.
1: Project. Not maybe, they should be, because if they can't see the incongruent nature of that, and of course, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just generalizing here, but, you know, somebody will fi- find some way to parse that out, because we always do. But the truth is, it's virtually the same thing. And I would go I would go one even further that they actually have facts that would allow them to say, you know what, this is why it's no good. It's not just a private property. They have facts. Well, I have facts too that tell me the same thing. Why aren't my facts as good as yours?
0: <clears throat> Do you think the argu- – we'll wrap up here in a second – that the argument about the wall being a physical impossibility given given the terrain, given the different nature of parts of the border, big cliffs and rivers and – you know, the kind of complicated nature. If you were going to build a wall from end to end, it would just be so, well, impossible to do it. it, it, it would, that's a legitimate uh, argument?
1: Yeah, and it would be – I think it would demoralize people that are involved in the project to the point that
0: – Well, that's a psychological impossibility rather than a physical impossibility. I'm, I'm mostly focused on the question of whether even if you wanted to do it, if I, you were able to make the argument for doing it, even oh. if it would work, could you do it?
1: so interested in the psychological part. Yes, you but are. I, I'll say this is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll give you Reagan, Reagan, uh, Reagan County. Reagan Canyon is an example, In Brewster County is. Yeah. It is one of God's most uh, impressive features, but it creates for a funnel that it doesn't matter how expansive Brewster County is. And Brewster County is the largest county in the U.S. Therefore, uh, the amount of border frontage it has is the most in the U.S., you know, by, by definition. Right. And so, but even as expansive as that is, there's only a couple places where you can cross where the river's fordable and where you can cut through Brewster County to get to a highway. And so it's really easy to patrol. You would think it'd be so difficult. We'll never be able to police this wrong. Actually, it's pretty, it's It's pretty simple. Right. You know, I I walked through the Canyon. You can basically
0: be in one spot and watch the whole thing. Yes.
1: I've done it with Sheriff Dotson. We walked through there. So when we get back to the, he didn't get any cell phone service, and when we get back to when we get back to his truck, we're getting now emails of the shots, and so we can see ourselves come through, and then and then we see a group come in, a small group, two or three people, about four or five hours later. You know, you can watch them come, and uh, they weren't very far behind us, as a matter of fact.
0: Well, the fact is, they only have one place po- like a choke point, right? They yes. only have one place to come over, and you can just basically wait for them and catch them.
1: So, you know, we have a barrier, we have a river. And, uh, you know, we, there's so many things that you can do along the river physically, like the Carrizo eradication. I mean, you, you can create such clear sight lines for the board patrol to do their job, for the DPS to be more effective if you did want to deploy right. them. That, that's how the DPS can be involved, is make it easier for them to do so because they're not trained to do what these guys do by getting in the brush.
0: Where is all this going? By the end of this session, what will or will not have been
1: accomplished? I, I will say that there will not be an appropriation for a physical barrier or wall.
0: Texas dollars will not go to a physical barrier, period, paragraph, that's it. That's it. I mean, I will. And you as chairman can control that flow of discussion and legislation I, in your committee. I can, I can. And the speaker will be cool with it.
1: I can control the the time and tempo of us discussing that. Uh, I can't predict whether the speaker is cool with that, but I can say this is you need 100 votes to draw money out of the rainy day fund. There's not. 76 votes.
0: Yeah, but you don't need 100 votes to take money out of the state budget. And my point is, will money in the state budget go to a wall? And your answer is no. no. I no. mean, the Kane biederman thing, notwithstanding, you think that we're not going to contribute to that conversation. I don't believe so. That money will go to something else. I,
1: I believe that the priorities now are set. The governor made it very clear what the priorities are, and I did yeah. not hear him mention a wall. Well, you are
0: the pragmatic chairman. I will continue to be that until they put me in the ground. Okay. Chairman, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. All right. <laughs>
0: been listening to point of order a proud member of the texas tribune's family of podcasts thanks to our guest state representative poncho Navaras, and thanks to the sponsors of this episode ibc bank and former u.s ambassador antonio garza be sure to check out the tribune's deep coverage of the 86th legislative session at texastribune.org and if you like what you see there or hear here tell your friends about us until next time i'm evan smith